0: Welcome to episode number 81 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're going to be talking about truth in a few different ways, and it's in regards to three different stories. One is the Rachel Brummert story that we've talked about on the last two episodes, and it has come to a conclusion the next story is two california doctors who dared come out and talk about their experience and post this information on youtube and that didn't end well for the video i mean for the doctors it may be okay and the last will be about a report that came out of the center for strategic and international studies last november that should have been on everybody's radar but for some reason is not. But let's start with the victory lap. Let's start with the wrap up of the Rachel Brummert story. And she again is the woman that had all of the articles out on the interwebs worldwide about self-isolation for three weeks. Didn't know how she possibly could have got COVID-19. She was wearing gloves when she got the mail. Somebody dropped off groceries, though. And this became the major part of the story that everybody covered that she believed she got the virus when she had the groceries delivered. Well, I told you on the previous episodes that just reading the bare facts that were presented in the horribly done articles, there was mention that she went to a pharmacy. Five days before her symptoms began. And I'm just an idiot podcaster here from just outside of Chirac. But to me, that was the most likely place she picked this up because we know the incubation period on COVID 19 and the grocery delivery was just a scant two days before her symptoms showed up. And that didn't make sense for a vast majority of cases. So to me, Logic said she probably picked it up at the pharmacy. All of these news organizations picked up the story as she was in isolation for three weeks. She doesn't even have contact with her husband. they're hiding in different rooms, and somebody dropped off groceries and she didn't even touch the person. she thanked her from you know up up on top of the stairs while the woman was at the bottom of the stairs and she didn't wipe the groceries off though so this is the we, she must have gotten it from touching the groceries. Well, I told everybody again, pharmacy. This is where she picked it up. That would make the most sense. An epidemiologist tracked down the cause of her infection. Guess what? It was the keypad at the pharmacy where she had to punch in her birthday. You know, this is a great thing about going to into pharmacies to pick up drugs and stuff. Now everybody has a keypad for you to put your birthday in or the last four digits, of your social security or something like that. And we now know that touching things and then putting your hands up to your face bad when it comes to viruses like COVID-19, but at least this mystery has been solved. And we told you here first on the random thoughts podcast, what it was going to be. And I'm going to take that victory lap because we were absolutely 100% spot on when it came to this story. But we have to look again at the media that covered it, including Glenn Beck's The Blaze. And we were upset before that none of these places went into her background. The fact that she was a documentary filmmaker that had a government employment in her resume, all of these things that I thought were important. But now That this story was updated. It was updated right after. It looks like we did our last episode of Random Thoughts. So it's been a week since this hit the wire. That this story now has a somewhat happy and less fearful ending because we now know it wasn't from the groceries. So I went back and looked at the sources that published this story again, including the Blaze, who Glenn Beck was just talking to Tim Pool the other day about how the media lies. And I'm sorry, Glenn, your media right here, the blaze lying or completely ignorant of the facts. So stop throwing stones at people when your own organization is doing crap work when it comes to journalism. But Drudge carried the headline. Have not seen any new headline from Drudge saying that this woman didn't get it from her groceries. She didn't get it while self-isolating. She actually got it by leaving the house and coming into contact with a keypad at her pharmacy. Where do sick people go to pick up their drugs? The pharmacist. What do they touch? The keypad. Maybe people should be wiping these things down with regularity. I think everybody right now should be carrying something that they can wipe these things down before and after using them, ATMs, things like that. But I digress. Drudge, there was no new headline that said this story that he pushed was bullshit. So thanks, Drudge. Thanks for not covering the story all the way through. The New York Post, I went back on all of these sites and did a search for this woman's name to make sure I wasn't missing anything. The New York Post terrified us with the story that she got it from getting groceries, did not update the story once it came out. That science and epidemiologist tracked this down to a pharmacy when she actually left the house. She wasn't hunkering down. She wasn't in self isolation. She got it by being out in the wild and coming into contact with the virus. So, the New York Post? No. The International Business Times? Do they update it? Do they put a new story out? No. The Epoch Times? No. The Daily Mail in the UK? Nope. Daily, uh, the Mirror in the UK, nope. The Sun in the UK, nope. All of these places and other news outlets worldwide terrified people with this story. That now has some vital data that has come forward. That she didn't get it from the groceries while self-isolating. None of these jerks who call themselves journalists. None of these organizations have gone through the trouble of posting a new story that what they posted before was complete and utter nonsense there are three that i found that did update and cover the story one was khou channel 11 in houston who had a story on this so i can applaud them wthr in central indiana channel 13 also covered this online as did WCNC, which was picked up by MSN. WCNC was the original source of this, and I almost missed that they added to the story because that's literally just what they did. They added to the story, but when doing a search, it was still showing that the story was weeks old. So WCNC, you're the ones that broke this. Don't you think maybe since you unleashed this bullcrap upon the world, that you could have gone through the trouble of maybe posting a whole new article about this instead of doing the least you possibly could, which, I mean, I grant it was more than Drudge, Glenn Beck's The Blaze, The New York Post, The International Business Times, The Epoch Times, The Mirror, The Daily Mail, and The Sun did. But maybe you could have done a little more than added something, adding something to the original article that said, oh, yeah, you know what? It turns out, yeah, this was all crap. So you have to understand when you're reading through all of these stories online, why you need to question what you're reading, why you need to question what the source is, and you really need to question if there's any journalistic integrity and beyond even integrity, if there's any journalistic ability in the people that are covering the news and the organizations that are covering the news that is vitally important at all times, but especially during something like this pandemic that we're dealing with right now, and almost everybody seems to be dropping the ball. We've come to a time where headlines are all that's important, and usually the headlines aren't even written by the person that's writing the story, and the headlines just want to get clicks. And we unfortunately are a society of most people who don't get past the headlines. So a vast majority of the people, I would bet, because even my parents saw this story before I even brought it up to them. So I would guess a vast majority of people in the world saw this story. Woman got the big bad COVID without even leaving her house while self-isolating. And nobody's going to see what the actuality was nobody's going to see the truth except for you because you're listening to the Random Thoughts podcast. And this is why you do, because you can be the smartest person in the room. Now you can go tell everybody that you know hey, you saw that story about the woman that got COVID without even leaving her house? It's all crap. And tell them to come to the Random Thoughts podcast if they want to get the information firsthand because it's vital right now that people are informed. There are a lot of things that the mainstream media is just refusing to cover. One, which we just covered on Grumpy Old Bands, the show I do with Ryan Bemrose on Fridays, that the New York State, and especially New York City, because that's where the majority of the problems are, once they had people from nursing homes that tested positive for COVID 19, they were still sending them back to the nursing homes. I mean, I know the federal government spent a lot of money to bring that ship to New York so that patients could have extra beds. They built extensive extra hospital facilities with beds for COVID-19 patients, but none of them are overflowing. Instead, when you had somebody from a nursing home that came in to the hospital, tested positive for COVID-19, New York was sending them back to the nursing homes where It needs to be pointed out that right now of the deaths in the United States, somewhere between a fifth and a half. I mean, I know the numbers are still coming in. That's a pretty big range, but somewhere between 20 and 50 percent of all deaths from COVID-19 are coming from nursing homes. But New York, hey, (laughs) you got the disease, we'll send you back so you can kill off everybody in your nursing home. Good New York. Way to go. How are you going to blame that one on Trump? I don't know how you can. But with that said, we had a couple of doctors that dared to speak out against this incessant lockdowns and the draconian measures that are being used to combat this disease in the United States. The video was up on YouTube. It had over 5 million views. And of course, it was removed from YouTube. Because it didn't comply with their terms of service, which right now are basically if the World Health Organization doesn't like what's being said, it will be removed. This is a very dangerous precedent. Again, if you can't even trust the news, as we've talked about on sites like Drudge and The Blaze and The New York Post and all down the line well, I mean, at least we have YouTube for citizen journalism. That's where somebody can go and they can post the truth. Well, no. I mean, if you're going to disagree with the World Health Organization, YouTube will remove your content. And the doctors that were a part of this video were Dr. Daniel W. Erickson of Bakersfield, California. He's a former ER physician who co-owns with his partner, Dr. Artin Massa, M-A-S-S-I-H. I'm probably butchering that name, but they own Accelerated Urgent Care in Bakersfield. They came out and said some things that I thought were interesting, including Dr. Erickson saying, quote, when ER doctors write up death reports, they're being pressured to add COVID-19 to the report. Why is that? Well, that is a good question. I think that's a very important question that people should be asking at this point. If people are being pressured to add that to the number of death rates for COVID-19, and a lot of this sadly is coming down to money that is going to be gotten from the federal government and elsewhere insurance companies due to this COVID-19 thing. It's been covered ad nauseum, the fact of how much money, how much more money, Hospitals get if it's a COVID patient as opposed to not a COVID patient, and how much more is added if they get to put them on a ventilator. There's some things that should be scaring you even more than the disease. But other things that these doctors dared to mention were things like 96% of the people in California who get COVID will recover with no significant issues after recovery that is a pretty high number granted even four percent of the people in the united states i get it that's a lot of people but the fear out there is everybody thinks they're going to be one that falls into the bad statistic and i don't know what the magic number is where people are scared and where people are not but i think that hearing that 96 percent of the people that encounter this virus get infected, are going to recover. And once they recover, they're not going to have any lingering health issues because of that. Dr. Erickson said two months ago, we didn't know this. The more you test, the more positives you get, the prevalence, that number goes up and the death rate stays the same. He said, so the death rate gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And as we move through the data, I want you to see is that millions of cases Small death. And he reiterated again, millions of cases, small death. The doctors also dared make the comparison to the flu from COVID 19. And we know the World Health Organization doesn't like that. But the reality is that the CDC says 24,000 people died from the flu this season, which is really low for the flu. Usually, it is in that fifty to sixty thousand per season. For comparison, eighty thousand died of the flu here in the United States in 2018, and so far we have about sixty thousand COVID death plus the twenty-four thousand from the flu, and even combined right now. And I get it; COVID's not done yet. We don't know exactly what the final numbers are going to be. There's a lot of speculation that now as the weather's getting warmer, this is going to act as a seasonal thing and start to die out. We're seeing that already in places. Still too early to speculate on that, but it's going to be interesting to wait and see the final numbers. But again, remember that we had two doctors here who were trying to speak out and just giving the facts Just giving the data that they had at their disposal, talking about the hundreds, if not thousands, I believe they said, of COVID tests that they themselves have administered. Their findings were not meshing with the World Health Organization, so it was removed from YouTube. The World Health Organization, let's remember, in bed with China, in bed with Bill Gates, and this is where, again, you start having problems. This is where you start questioning, who am I believing? Who should I believe? Where are they getting the data? Where can I go for true and accurate information? And that's getting to be a harder question to answer as we continue to move through this pandemic. But last night, I was watching Bill O'Reilly's newscast, and he's a guy that has been very, very good with this pandemic up to this point as far as bringing data out. And not speculating, not trying to do what all of these other people in the media are doing, saying, well, there could be millions dead. No, let's just cover the facts. Let's not go to any of these computer models because computer models are never, ever, ever, ever right when it comes to stuff like this. But Bill O'Reilly covered a story last night that I found to be very interesting. And it revolved around a report that came out last year, November 20th of last year, November 20th of 2019 from the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Long story short, it was an assessment of the risks that the United States would face in the event uh, like something, uh, you know, a pandemic. (laughs) We've got a little more data on exactly if they were right or wrong. And it seems like they were pretty much right on a lot of this stuff when I went through and watched the testimony that they gave before a, the Senate committee. But the conclusion from this report from the Center for Strategic and International Studies was, and I will quote, the business case to invest early in preparedness is crystal clear and powerful. The United States must either pay now and gain protection and security, or wait for the next epidemic and pay a much greater price in human and economic costs. In reality, the American people are far from safe. To the contrary, the United States remains woefully ill prepared to respond to global health security threats. O'Reilly mentioned. That how he hadn't heard of the report. How uh, nobody has really heard of this report. Again, that came out November twentieth of last year. So he did a little research, as did we, to find out exactly who was behind this report. The Center for Strategic and International Studies is privately funded. Most of the money coming from the Pritzker Foundation. Hey, that's a familiar name for a guy like me out here in Chirac in beautiful Illinois. The chairman of the Pritzker Foundation is Thomas Pritzker. His cousin is J.B. Pritzker, the governor of the great state of Illinois. Uh, according to the 2015 Forbes list, J.B., a little richer, a little wealthier than Cousin Thomas. J.B. was listed as having $3.4 billion, and Thomas, only a scant $3.1 billion. Makes you wonder how Illinois is so broke. I don't know. A lot of money for this is also coming from Bill Gates and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for Population Control. Oh, wait, they dropped the for population control part of the name a little while back, but that was the name. The center is based in Washington, D.C. The authors of the study are former Republican Senator Kelly Ayotte, Dr. Julie Gerberding, and J. Stephen Morrison. Uh, Those are the three authors of the study. And the report was brought before the United States Senate's Committee on Armed Services, the subcommittee on emerging threats and capabilities. Now, these things that were covered were pretty easy to understand. There was a lot of the, if something like this happens, we don't have the capabilities. There was a lot of talk about things like supply lines and chains and how we are Reliant on China and India and other countries for a vast, vast majority of our pharmaceuticals and equipment that would be needed if such a worldly pandemic were to happen. (laughs) And now we know it did. And this is an interesting thing to kind of look at. And there were some very bizarre things for me to hear when it came to what dr tara j o'toole said she is a senior fellow and executive vice president of InQtel. now what is InQtel? you're asking it's an american non-for-profit venture capital firm based in arlington virginia this information coming from wikipedia it invests in high-tech companies for the sole purpose of keeping the central intelligence agency and other intelligence agencies equipped with the latest in information technology in support of the United States intelligence capability, the name Incutel is an intentional reference to Q, the fictional inventor who supplied James Bond with all of those cool gadgets. So this is an interesting and yet completely scary place. Incutel, the Dr. Tara O'Toole talked about. Three different threats: the first were epidemics which we 're dealing with right now, and how that could happen in nature and how we were so ill prepared. The second thing she talked about were deliberate bioattacks and how unprepared we would be. I mean, I know some people think what we 're dealing with now is a bio attack i don't believe that there's a lot of speculation that this was created in a lab most. Of the experts out there seem to agree that this may have been something that was being studied in a lab, but probably not engineered in a lab. But your mileage may vary, and we're always looking for further data on this. But she said, again, first attack, the first threat, rather, epidemics, second threat, bio attacks. The third attack and the third problem she talked about was the most interesting to me because she said it was probably even more important than the first two and this was about using biology as the fundamental manufacturing platform of the future and i just pulled out some of her audio here from her speaking in front of the senate committee because i thought it was something that you needed to hear directly from the source so again this is Dr. Tara J. O'Toole, Senior Fellow and Executive Vice President of InQTEL.
1: The third threat, and in my mind, in some ways, worse than the first two, is that we will fail to win the economic competition for the bio revolution. And there is no question that we are in a geopolitical competition to. to Wield these new technologies, which I believe are going to undergird much of the 21st century economy And I want to spend most of my time talking about that Um, We are in this situation um, Today with regard to bioweapons and the threat of bioterror Because of the advances that have been made in the life sciences in the past 40 years and the convergence of those advances in biology and biotechnology with digitalization. What we now understand is that biology is programmable. Life runs on code. It's not ones and zeros, it's, it's nucleic acids that make up the code. But we are beginning to, we're past beginning, we are now able to read Write and edit that code. And our ability to do so is improving, is improving exponentially, faster than Moore's Law. This is going to be phenomenally beneficial. It is going to impact multiple different industries, not just biomed, not just agriculture. And that's because one of the industries that are rising is that of synthetic biology. Organisms are becoming programmable manufacturing systems and we are already using organisms to make flavors fragrances new fabrics materials with totally unknown or previously unknown properties etc biology is likely to become the fundamental manufacturing platform of the future
0: let me stop that right there for a second so now we're understanding i guess why bill gates is so heavily involved in this Biology is programmable. Life runs on code. Synthetic biology is going to be the fundamental manufacturing platform of the future. And who controls that is going to control the world.
1: We in the United States are the innovation engine of this new technology, and it's really several families of technologies. Um, But China has said repeatedly and very forcefully, and they're backing up their words with actions, that they intend to own the bio-revolution. And they are building the infrastructure, the talent pipeline, the regulatory system, and the financial system they need to do that. And that's before we even talk about the secrets and the information and the intellectual property they're stealing from us which is a small trickle of um, the contributions that they are building uh, for their own economy. They have good reasons to go after the biorevolution. They have a huge population. They have the highest incidence of cancer on Earth. Their population is aging. They're going to need to deal with... Uh, challenges like Alzheimer's, just as we are, and they have to find an affordable way to deliver health care to their rising middle class. Um, But I do want to note that the United States has not done a good job at translating biology into products. Most of this is happening. Our translational infrastructure for biology is mostly coming from small startup companies in the private sector, which is where Intel Incutel does its business. Those are the innovation engines for biology and much else. And uh we need to think about how we would build a more robust infrastructure, particularly to manage epidemics, whether deliberate or natural. So for example, we need to have the capacity to, once an epidemic is noted, immediately create diagnostics that could be used like pregnancy tests by the people themselves to determine who is sick and who isn't. That would be strategically invaluable in managing the epidemic. We need to be able, as Dr. Inglesby uh, suggested, um, to rapidly develop a new vaccine in response to an epidemic. We are within reach of technologies that can do that. We need to get much more ambitious as a country in how we're going to prepare for bio uh, attacks and for natural epidemics. But we also need to tend to building infrastructure um, for um, securing and uh, promoting the bioeconomy.
0: So that's what it's all about right there, controlling the bioeconomy. China wants to own the bio revolution. And I'm sure the United States does as well. But here you again have the experts saying the United States has not done a good job at translating biology into products. And I think the question has to start coming up too. Just how much are you comfortable with translating biology into products? Just how comfortable are you with, as they said, biology is programmable, life runs on code. How comfortable are you with people messing? with that code even if it's for things that they're saying are for good i think these are the kind of things that could lead to really really bad results if experiments or things like this totally run amok and run out of control but it's interesting to hear well when we have the next pandemic we want to have instant tests so people know if they're sick or not We want to have all of this capability, and they're saying we're close to this capability just back here in November of last year, but now we see the reality, which is we're not maybe as close as we would like to be, but this whole thing brings up way more questions than it does answers. As Bill O'Reilly questioned, how come nobody else has heard about this? It wasn't until April this came out on a PBS report. Where again, this is November of 2019. Before the Senate, nobody in the media was covering this report that was backed by some big hitters like the Pritzker's and Bill and Melinda Gates. So, where was the news coverage then? Where was the outcry that we were completely unprepared for this pandemic that was going to happen sometime in the future, which just happened to be only days away? As Bill O'Reilly said in his newscast quote, there is something wrong. Something wrong here. Anyway, you're not going to hear this anywhere else. Nobody else cares about it, but I do because I think there is a lot of fraud going on in this pandemic coverage. A lot of fraud. I can't disagree with that, Bill. I cannot disagree with that. And I think he is absolutely spot on. Which, as we've been telling you this whole episode, always question. Where you're getting your information, always question the information you're getting, and even more so, maybe question the information you're not being given. Or in the case of YouTube censoring doctors and taking their video down, you might want to question what information is intentionally being kept from you. I have to say, when I started all of this podcasting stuff, it was meant to be fun. I mean, the news coverage had journalists, there were people out there who you could trust. It's a weird world where podcasters are breaking stories. It's a weird world where podcasters are actually much more on point and much more truthful than the global news media. It's both an exciting thing and a completely terrifying thing. I hope we're doing a good job here during this pandemic, especially at bringing you the information that can help you rest a little bit easier at night and leave you with the knowledge that you know a little bit more about the reality of what is going on in the world. If you like what you're hearing, and we hope you do, you can do me a big favor and go to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com, and click that subscribe button. And if you're really enjoying what you're getting here, if you're finding it to be worthy of value, click on that donate button and send some value back our way. We work on the value for value model we never charge you for any of these episodes, but if you get something out of it, we ask, hey, send something back. What was it worth? Was it worth a buck? Was it worth a latte? Was it worth, you know, a nice meal out and then big T-bone steak? Maybe that would be good right about now. Wouldn't it to be able to go out for a big T-bone steak, but throw a little value back our way if you can, and even more so turn a friend or two onto the show, rate us where you can and help spread the word of the Random Thoughts Podcast. If you want to get in touch with me, you can do so in a few different ways. The easiest is email darren at randomthoughts.com, D-A-R-R-E-N. And you can also get me on Twitter, the dreaded bird site at Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L, or Random Podcast, R-A-N-D-U-M-B Podcast. And of course, you can check the random thoughts page for an invite to no agenda social. It's like Twitter, but without censorship. So that's a good thing. And you can definitely find me on that. So until next time, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.